What's up, church? You guys feeling good? Happy to be in church? You happy to be in church? What do you have to say to everybody? Happy Father's Day. Boom! Love you. What's up, Luke? Happy Father's Day weekend to everybody here. How many fathers do we have in the house? Let's make some noise for the fathers. Happy belated Father's Day to everyone at our Brussels, Belgium location. I know you guys celebrated Father's Day already, so happy late Father's Day to you. What's up, Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada, Austin, Texas is in the house, and both men and women at our God Behind Bars campuses. We love you so much. You are every bit as much a part of this family as the people sitting in this room right now. So we love you, and uh, we're glad you're with us today. Happy Father's Day. We've got all kinds of good stuff going on. You got any visitors, first-time visitors at any location? Yo, come on, make some noise, church. We got some first-time visitors. We're so glad you're here. I hope that you have already, if nothing else, you've already just felt like, you know what? Yeah, they, they might be weird, but they were very welcoming. I want you to feel at home here. No matter what's going on in your life, I want you to know we're glad you're here. You're wanted here. You're welcomed here. You're going to be valued and loved and accepted here. And you've already been prayed for. So welcome home. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. Hit your neighbor on the thigh. Say, let's go. For those of you who um, are new, I'd like to, to brag just for a second on my family. Would you guys put that picture up? That's my family a couple weeks ago at baptism. That's my youngest son, Ashton, right there holding the sign. He was just up here with me. He got baptized. Hey, church. So last time I said, what was it? I said 723 people had been baptized. But after I made that announcement, 105 women just got baptized at our God Behind Bars campus. So that brings the grand total up to 828 people this month have went public with their faith through baptism. That's cool right there, isn't it? Man, I love being a part of this church family with you. I was asking my kids this week, I was like, guys, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, about Father's Day. And I said, you know, I like to joke around a little bit up top. I was like, kids, um, when, when is the last time I like really screwed up as a father? And the boys were like, oh, 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 I go, I go, I got something. And I'm like, yo, settle down. Ashton, the, the wild man that was just up here with me, I asked him yesterday. I'm like, Ashton, when's the last time I screwed up as a father? He goes, last night. I'm like, what did I do? You know what I'm talking about. I go, what did I do? He goes, you ate my cupcake. <laughs> I've been talking about eating right way more than I've been actually eating right lately. And uh, part of the problem is my amazing wife because you sabotage me nonstop. We've got a sweet tooth and we are not good accountability partners because even today she goes, should I get another, just a Father's Day cupcake? And I was like, probably should. I mean, it's Father's Day. Every day I have a special occasion and a special reason why today it's okay to eat bad. And so I ate my son's cupcake. And so Jill just came upstairs in the green room and she was like, I got Father's Day cupcakes. And Ashton came in, he goes, which one do you like? 
And I go, why do you want to know? He goes, because I'm going to lick it. <laughs> Bro, that's messed up. I asked Ethan, my oldest son, Austin's away at, at basketball camp this weekend, so he's off the hook. I asked Ethan, I said, when's the last time? I go, I want to tell a story about me screwing up as a father. He goes, oh, I got a great one. And I go, came with a little passion. I go, he goes, yeah. Remember the time you grounded me because you thought I was faking being sick? The day before I went to the hospital for malaria? I was like, yep, yeah, that was my bad. Mm -hmm. That's my bad. He's, he's laying on the couch, and he's like, I don't think I want to go to practice today. And what I knew is two of his friends were out of town. I'm like, bro, I know the game. You don't want to go to practice because your friends aren't going to practice. And I go, okay, fine. No practice, no phone. I took his phone away because I was 100% sure he was faking. The next day, we're in the hospital for malaria, and he's just looking at me across the hospital room like, mm-hmm, no problem, no phone, huh? Not a proud father moment for me. Um, and so here's what we're going to do. Because I'm obviously a little jacked up, we're going to get some other voices into this thing today because of what I want to do is I want to really encourage the dads and challenge the dads and speak life into the dads. But here's what you need to know. What you're about to hear applies to every single one of us because at the end of the day, what we're really doing on Father's Day weekend is pointing all glory to our heavenly father and celebrating the fact that he turns around any situation. Things that for us feel impossible for him is very possible. And there's not a life or a situation that he can't flip upside down on his head and do miracles in and through that situation. And that's what we're celebrating today. So everything you're going to hear, yes, it's going to encourage the dads, but I can guarantee you this is for all of us. All right. So the, the first person I'm going to ask out is the one and only Ronnie Johnson. Church, can you make some noise for my friend, our pastor, Ronnie Johnson? Come here. Come here. Bring it in. And, and, and the other person, re really what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring out the next person's actually going to be the wisdom for, for, for the, today's talk, because the truth is Ronnie's been a dad for like a week. And so no, no telling what he's going to add to this conversation. Um, but we are going to, what, what's really going to happen is me and Ronnie are going to talk to the, the man that I'm about to introduce, and he's going to fix all our problems right here during this service. And, and the man I'm about to introduce is, he's the person that when I don't know what to do as a dad, he's who I call. And when I want to be a better husband, he's who I call. And when me and Jill need counseling, he's, he's who we call. And, and I look up to this man. I love this man. I respect this man. He's been a, a father to me in many ways. And so, um, you know what, church? Can you get on your feet and help me welcome the Gary Richard Brugman? I was having lunch with Gary this week, and, and if you didn't know by the last name association, yes, this is Chad and Scott, two of my best friends. This is, this is their father, and uh, much of their clan is over here tonight. What's up, Brugman family? And Casey about to join the team. It's not about you today, Casey. <laughs> Love you, Casey. 
we were at lunch and, and I said, Gary, I said, hey, I've been thinking about doing something. And he was trying to be funny. And he goes, oh, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Whatever you're thinking about, you should do. And I go, well, what I was thinking about doing is putting you on stage this weekend. And this was his reaction. I took a picture of it. <laughs> he said, I don't, I, don't, I don't like to be on stage. I get nervous. I said, Gary, you're going to do amazing. So thank you so much, Gary. Thank you, Ronnie. Uh, thank you, guys. Can you guys put your hands together for these two? So, Ronnie, as we get started, would you, would you introduce us to your family? And, and just so you know, I asked Ronnie, I said, hey, I've been embarrassing myself. I want you to tell some of your, you know, father mishaps and some of your mistakes. And he goes, honestly, I've been trying to think of one and I can't. And his wife was sitting next to me when he said it. And, he, and she literally goes, Ronnie, why does our daughter have a black eye? <laughs> It's a story for another day, really, because we don't have the time. We don't have the time. I want to introduce you, for those of you that don't know my family, we have a, a picture of my two kiddos. Just take it in. They look just like me. So cute. Thank God they look like their mother. Yeah, we're like, Ara, do a response. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? She's like, my dad's amazing. He's amazing. So that's a picture of them. That's Ara on the left. She's a little over two years old. And then that's my new son, Ronnie the Fourth. We call him Rive. And uh, he is 10 weeks old. 10 weeks old. Love them so much. Sean asked me to, to, to join the panel this weekend. And I'm like, Sean, Gary's been a dad for longer than I've been alive. I don't have, I don't have anything good to say. So I'm mostly just going to be asking Gary a bunch of questions today. But Gary, how about you introduce us to your beautiful family? So proud to um, thank you for being here, family. And uh, up on the screen is a picture they probably will remember. It's from two years ago. It was our 50th wedding anniversary. And um, Come on. proud of, uh, so very proud of this family. So thank you. And, and now you, you were telling us some very inappropriate funny stories that we won't get into today, but uh, could you share one of the more appropriate stories of where you look back on your days raising Chad and Scott and you go, mm, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> one story I remember in particular, and uh, uh, my wife is here, so, and I can't remember if you know about this story or not. I hope you do, because if you don't, I'm going to be in serious, serious trouble. So. <laughs> No, uh, my, both of my boys um, were very young at the time, and uh, I was at work, and I came home. My mother, I mean, my wife was a stay-at-home mother, and, and she was uh, with the boys all day, and at their age, and you know Scott and Chad, and, but you didn't know them at a little age, but um, she had a rough day with them, and, and when I get home, I didn't know that she was going to have a rough day with them, but the first thing that she said to me when I walked in the door, she said, honey, she said, the boys are waiting for you in the living room because they have been really terrible today. And I told them that when you got home that you were gonna take care of them. So I walk into the living room and I said, guys, raise my voice a little bit. Guys, get into your bedroom because you're in trouble. They went into the bedroom. I, I, I think I slammed the door and I went to the closet and I got the belt and I said, guys, I'm gonna hit the belt on the bed and I want you to just start screaming as loud as you can. Okay. And I, I don't know how many time, how many whacks on that bed I had with that belt, but I'll tell you what, they, they real, they, I thought you guys were almost sounding like you were being murdered or something. So anyway, I wish you were my dad, Gary. I wish you yeah. were my dad. Yeah. Eunice, are you learning this for the first time today? Oh, you knew. Yeah. Okay. I feel better. Thank you. 
Yeah. Yeah. G- Gary, um, there, there was a time when our oldest son, you know, I tell you a bunch of stories about our kids, but our oldest son, man, when he was little, he was a handful. And I would talk to you about it, and I would talk to Scott about it. And I remember one time Scott was like, you know, they, they do have books for strong-willed children. You can read up on this. And like me and Jill just had our hands full and we didn't know what to do. And like the only thing he would say is no and stop it. And that was it. That was his whole vocabulary. And at one point, and, and we had decided that we were going to, to spank our children. Don't email me. You, you do your own thing. And so we had decided, you know, and I don't quite frankly think we did it enough. And so, but, but so, so we, we, we were going to spank our children, but we decided we were going to use a wooden spoon. I don't know why, Jill, you know, we decided to use a wooden spoon. And so there were, I'm not kidding, times when Ethan would be like two years old and I'd be like, you do that one more time and I'm going to spank you. And he would go into the kitchen, grab the wooden spoon, hand it to me and go. <laughs> Dear Lord, help us. So, so let's, let's, let's transition to, to, some, to some serious talk here for a sec. Um, Gary, you know, we, we've had a whole bunch of conversations uh, about being a dad, being a husband, the whole thing. And one of the things that um, I first started talking to Gary about was I, I had a lot of, although being a dad had always been my dream, like I've just, since I was, you know, I can remember since I was a little kid remembering like, I can't wait to be a dad someday. There was also a whole lot of fear attached to the idea of being a dad for me um, because I'd never met my real dad and, and my mom had went through some crazy stuff and she had married someone from her drug culture when I was two and, and he adopted me and, and, and I love him and I'll be calling him this weekend and telling him happy Father's Day. Um, but, but because of my just sort of crazy past, I always wondered like, Will I have what it takes to be a good dad? And, and like, what if because of some of the stuff I've been through, like, what if I'm just not qualified? And I want to be, and I'm dreaming of it, but I don't know if I actually can be. And one day I was talking to Gary about that and some of my fears, and, and you shared with me some of your testimony, and all of a sudden, like, I started to see it differently. And, and I was wondering, would, would you be willing to share part of that today? I'd be really happy to. One of the things that uh, came to my, my memory as Sean was talking is that uh, I too, uh, when I got married, I think one of the bigger fears that I had was that uh, when my wife got pregnant, that I too would become a dad. And uh, I was extremely, extremely nervous about that, just simply because of the background that I had grown up in. And uh, uh, I don't even know, I don't think my boys know this, but I actually prayed days and days and days and days that God would bless our family with only girls. No guys. No guys. Because I, I, I honestly did not feel like Insert I... Insert Chad joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, feel free to, to do that if you'd like. <laughs> Love you, buddy. <laughs> but I... I, uh, I when, when, uh, when my wife got pregnant, you know, and I thought, okay, God's going to bless us with girls. And and our oldest son, Scott, was born, and uh, um, I couldn't be happier, by the way, that you were born, and then Chad was born later, and, and, uh, and, and, and I really did. I had a lot, of, a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear around uh, being able to be a, a, a good dad. I never, had, I never had a model for me, so I certainly, I certainly didn't believe that probably um, I was going to be, be able to do a very good job at it. Um, but I, I did, too. Like Sean, I, I, came, uh, I, ro- I grew up in a broken home. And uh, I, know what it, I know what it's like to be in, 
and to experience dysfunctional family relationships. Uh, my mother was married six times, and she married men that were alcoholics and that were abusers. And those men um, were emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually, as well as verbally and sexually abusive to me as a child. Never, for, never, never forget that. Um, those, though I, though I longed, and I, I, I can't even communicate how I longed to be able to, to experience a dad figure in my life, and I never did as I was growing up. Uh, the men that, that emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually, and verbally abused me, they spoke what we call, refer to as negative messages, you know, in our lives. And I had a lot of negative messages that were spoken into my life. And I, I longed to, to hear something positive. I, I longed to hear someone say, you know, you're going to make it. You're going you're gonna to do good. You know, I love you. I'm proud of you. And, I, I, and, and that I love you. And I can honestly sit here and tell you, as I look back, I don't ever remember growing up um, from the time before I left home that I heard the word I love you from a man. And that was very, very, very difficult for me and, and uh, impacted and affected my life in ways in which uh, it's really difficult to be able to explain that. Um, I, love, I love inserting the statement, but for the grace of God Amen. In, in this part of the story. Because, but for the grace of God, I don't believe that I would be sitting here today. I don't believe that I would be able to tell this story today. I have no idea where I would be, but I know that I, I may not even be alive if it weren't for the grace of God. And, and at the age of 13, to God, yeah, to God be the glory. And at the age of 13, um, God, in his providence and in his grace, sent a, an incredible lady, neighbor from down the street to our house and ask my parents if it would be possible for me to go to church. And they reluctantly said yes, and I went. And the first time I walked into to a church at the age of 13, um, I had the, one of the most incredible, unforgettable experiences that you can ever begin to imagine. And I felt the presence of God the minute I walked in that building. I heard, I heard the gospel message for the first time. And I had an experience with the Holy Spirit that introduced me to a loving God and a caring God and introduced me to who is now my Savior and who is now my Lord and will be forever for eternity. And that was the grace of God for me, and, and that was the turning point for me in, in, in my life. At the age of 16, I really felt this tug of the Holy Spirit. And again, keep in mind, I was a new, new convert. But I felt this tug of the Holy Spirit in, that he was speaking to me about committing my life giving my life to full-time ministry. And you can only imagine what threw, threw my mind. And I, I had a, an incredible conversation. I had several conversations, as a matter of fact, with the Lord, trying to remind him um, of, of what I had just come out of and who I was and, and you know, all the insecurities and fears that I have. And, and, and the thing that I feared the most was people. And I said, God, you can't call me to a ministry of people because I'm scared to death of them. And you know what I love telling people today? The thing that I feared the most in life was people, and it's the thing that I've become the very best at. Mm, come on. And that's, that's, that's the grace of God. 
I, I fought with the Lord as long as I could, and then I finally succumbed, and I finally conceded, and I said, God, if it be your will, yes, I will commit myself to full-time ministry, but under two conditions. I don't know if you're supposed to give God conditions, but <laughs> I gave God conditions, you know, and I said, I said, you know, if you'll give me a heart after your heart, God, because it was your heart that impacted my life, and it was your heart and your love for me from your heart that changed, that changed the direction of my life. And if you'll give me a heart after your heart, then, then I, I will be able to go out and, and I think I will be able to love people adequately and not fear them, not be, not be um, concerned about um, not being able to have an impact and, and touch their lives because the Holy Spirit will, will do that through the heart that God has given me. Another thing that I asked for was, um, it's gonna sound kind of crazy, but I, but I asked for, um, I call them spiritual goggles and or spiritual lenses, you know, to be able to see through those lenses as God sees through them, as he sees each of us, and, and, and to be able to realize that, that the person that I see myself to be when I look through those spirit, spiritual lenses is not who I really am. I'm a completely different person because of how God sees me. You're a completely different person because of how God sees you, and many of you don't know who you really are because you haven't had that encounter and that experience yet. But it was an unbelievable experience, and, and uh, I, began to I began to like, and not just like, but I began to love who God showed me that I was. And so he gave me a heart after the heart of the Father. He gave me those spiritual lenses, and I, I, um, I felt like I was able to, to commit and to move on, and, and, uh, and again, I've never looked back since. At the age of 18, I um, unexpectedly, and I know not un unintentionally, um, I was informed that I was adopted. And on top of all the other things, that, the negative messages that I had been told and that I had experienced and that I lived, and I thought, you know what? I, I don't know if I can handle this. 18 years old and finding out you're, you're adopted is um, it's a pretty traumatic experience. And I, I, just, I just thought, well, I went to a really dark place. I went to a really low and deep and, and lonely place. And I was scared to death. And I, 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 I would suppose that probably the greatest test of my faith and of my trust in the Lord was in that moment because I began to doubt my calling. I began to doubt my initial personal intimate relationship with Christ had ever occurred. And... Um, what I love about the, the role of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to bring all of us into a greater consciousness of who Jesus Christ is and who Jesus Christ wants to be for every one of us. And through the Holy Spirit, he, he brought a, a verse of scripture to my mind that um, I had read when I was first saved and I, I was curious about it. And it didn't really have a whole lot of meaning to me, but when I read it this, this time when I was going through that, that period of darkness, it, it, it like bright, brought light you know, to my soul and to my heart. In Psalm 68, verse five, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy, holy dwelling. I, I'm happy to say that I, um, I found the dad that I never knew because of God. God became all I would ever need and much, much more. You know, I, my past would, would never be the same. 
I would never have to, to, to count on my past as defining for me who I was going to become or who I would be. But never allow that to happen again because of what God did in my life. No longer a victim, but I'm a victor. No longer lost, but I'm, I'm found. No longer last, but I'm first. No, no longer, no longer um, having to look down on myself and see myself so much differently than God you know, saw me. And I, I just had an interesting experience probably just a couple of months ago. Had a couple that came into my office and uh, had been referred to me for counseling. And they, um, they sat down and immediately started to ask me questions. And that just, it just never happens. And after about the 14th or 15th question, I, I interrupted them and I said, you know, I'm just not really, I'm really not used to uh, uh, you, somebody in here asking all the questions. I'm supposed to ask the questions. I'm the counselor. You know, and uh, would, it, would it be important for you for me to share with you a little bit of information about who I am and kind of what I do? And, and she says, well, I have one more question I want to ask you. And I said, well, what is it? And she said, um, I want you to tell us why you think we should come to you for counseling. And I didn't even blink an eye. I, I, without even thinking about it, I looked at them and I said, I leaned forward in my chair and I said, because I'm the very best. Come on. And I've never, I've never said that. I've never said that. I've, I've never been able to say that because it feels like it just feels like it's um, it, it's being arrogant, you know. And I said that to them. I said I apologize for saying that because I said that's arrogant. And they said no, 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 no. That's confidence. And if we're going to invest our marriage into your hands and to trust you, who we don't know, you know, we want to make sure that you're confident not only in what you do, but you're you're confident in who you are. Come on, that's so good. Uh, one of the things I'm, I'm sure you're already starting to picture like your own life and your own past and what you've been going through. And, and that's what happens when we hear other people's testimonies. Right. Um, one, one of the things that it, it so reminds all of us of when, when we hear your story is is there's no situation that God can't turn around. Right. There's no past that he can't redeem or restore. And and would you mind would you mind telling the church about what happened with your mom right at the end of her life because you were telling me that recently and I thought man that is that is such a just an exclamation point on the fact that God goes I will use you to do unbelievable things no matter what you've been through one of the things that I mentioned about abuse I, I think I mentioned spiritual abuse in there and at the age of 13, when I found Christ, um, my parents were deeply concerned about my newfound experience. Um, and uh, I, had, I had a younger brother that was taking drugs and doing all kinds of things. And they were more concerned about the fact that, that I wanted to be in the church every time the church doors were open because of the love of that family that I felt. And, and they, actually, they actually, I learned later in years, they, they actually wanted to hire a deprogrammer because they thought I was in a cult. And they were gonna have me kidnapped and because I was brainwashed. And um, they, they, just, they just never would accept the fact that, that I have a, had a relationship with Jesus and wanted them to have one as well. And I began praying at an early age that my, my mother somehow would be able to come to know Jesus as her savior. And, um, when I was, I, I worked 28 years in student development at two Bible colleges, and at the end of a graduation several years ago, uh, my wife and I had plans to fly to Miami, Florida to be with my, uh, to be with my mom. 
And we were so excited about that. And, and actually, about a week and a half prior to our flying to Miami, I, uh, I contracted a, a viral infection. And they couldn't find an antibiotic for it and, and literally was, was dying. And we had to obviously change our plans to Miami. And, and keep in mind, I had, again, continually, I had been praying that I would have an opportunity to win my, my mom to the Lord. We ended up going about three and a half weeks later. And when we flew into Miami and we walked into the bedroom where my mother laid, was lying, she, um, she looked like she was almost at, at, at death's door. Took her to the hospital, took her to ER. Um, they, took, um, they took tests and she was filled with cancer. And I, I, they told me, you need to tell your mom she's gonna be dying within just a couple of days. And I walked over to her and told her that. And she said, and she was really stubborn, you know, and, and she, she didn't believe that. And then I said, mom, I, I, I would really love to talk to you about your relationship with Christ and, and would love to pray with you if you would allow me to. And she, and she just said, in her, in, her, in her stubbornness, she said, I don't wanna talk about it right now. So I'll talk about it upstairs. And I remember going up, up to her room and, and having an opportunity, in fact, my, my, my wife and my sisters ended up leaving, which I had prayed for too, because I wanted to be alone with her. I wanted to be able to talk to her about Jesus and about her faith and about her commitment to Christ. And, and her lips were literally turning blue. And I grabbed her by the hand. And I said, Mom, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you about Jesus now? And she just shook her head and she said, yes. And I prayed the sinner's prayer. And I believe she accepted Jesus into her heart. And I believe that she's in the presence of God. I do. God was faithful and God answered my prayer. Gary, one of the things I love about your story is I think, you know, I don't know if there's an, a dad in the room that wouldn't identify with feeling this like sense of, man, there's no way I could be a good dad, right? Like no matter how good your dad is, being a dad's such a daunting task and you look at your, you look at your life and it's like everything that would probably disqualify somebody from being a good dad, I mean, you could check the box, right? Six different father figures and you'd, you'd probably attest that most of them didn't really fill the role of a father figure. Um, broken family situations, uh, so much different abuse and neglect, finding out that you're adopted at an older age. Um, we always tell people like, man, if you, if you wanna find the fullness of what God has for you, it, it starts, baseline is with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you talk about those spiritual goggles. Do you feel like those got formed during your relationship with Jesus Christ? Was that instantaneous? Was that a process? Um, what was that like? What could you encourage some of the dads in here that are going, man, I, I, don't, I maybe don't have as bad of a, a track record as you, but uh, I'd love to figure out how I get the fruit like you have, because now you got, you got two sons that love the Lord, their families love the Lord, the fruit of the people that have become followers of Jesus Christ because of your sons. I mean, I look at you as like a hero, um, how would you encourage some of the dads that are out here that are going, you, you talk about spiritual goggles, can we buy those in the lobby? How, how, how does somebody develop that, form that? What was that like for you? Yeah, I, I, uh, I can look back and realize that, that God took me through a, a very important process in my life. And it is a process, it's a developmental process spiritually that I think we need to understand. And sometimes we can get impatient and we could want more of God than maybe what God's ready to give to us and, and, and certainly what God feels like that we're able to handle. And, and uh, I, just, um, I just remember, I'll tell you what, the, one of the greatest gifts that God gave me was, was my wife. Um, just one of the most incredible ladies in the world, and um, I'm so grateful. 
and, and, and answering your question about the spiritual lenses, um, as I've gone through life, uh, God's revealed things to me that I didn't know existed. And just when you think that you've learned everything you need to learn, God teaches us something else. And, and to be encouraged with that, you know, and sometimes, like even with our, with, with our kids when they were growing up, there's a developmental process that, that they need to go through. And sometimes it's a painful process. There's things that they experience that needed to be experienced because they'll come out of that experience becoming stronger and becoming greater. And, and I saw, that, I saw that, that in our family, you know, and there were concerns that I had as a dad, and I thought, and I always resorted to the fact that because they weren't doing good, I was a terrible dad. And, and they've reassured me over and over and over again, it had nothing to do with whether I was a horrible dad or not. In fact, uh, one of the things that I love uh, about Father's Day, and it's really special to me, um, so often my boys, when they give me the Father's Day card at on Father's Day. They tell me how much they love me and they tell me how great of a dad I am and I, I really appreciate that. But, but what they tell me that, that is probably the most honoring thing that they can say is, Dad, thank you for loving our, thank you for loving our mom. And you know, what a, what a tremendous uh, honor it is to be able to be given the gift of a wife and the blessing that she can be to you in wanting to honor her and respect her. And I, Again, many things that have happened in my life that, that has brought that clearer to me. And uh, I don't think about the past anymore. The past is past, and it doesn't affect me one, one bit. I was asking just questions, just firing questions at, at Gary over lunch this week. And, and two things that, just a couple practical things that, man, just spoke to me and I would love to share with, with all you guys is he, he, at one point he said, What's one of the best things you can ever do for your kids as a dad? And of course, I had all these answers, and, and he was like, yeah, those are good, those are good, those are good. But he goes, I'll tell you what, one of the best things you can do for your kids as a dad, make sure that they know how much you love their mom. And, uh, and, then, and then you said, what, what was the, you said, uh, oh, what's, what's the number one thing you have to do in order to love your wife? I actually had a, a gentleman that came into my office and he said, man, you'd be my hero if you could tell me the one thing that I can do to love my, my wife the most. And I, I told him, and he was kind of quite surprised by my response, but I said, you, you've got to love yourself. And, and I, I asked this infamous question to a lot of people um, that, that I do counseling with. And um, knowing everything that you know about yourself and no one knows you better than you do, would you choose to be your best friend? And unfortunately, I have to tell you that probably seven or eight out of ten people say absolutely not. And I love being able to respond and say, and so you expect your wife to want to be your best friend? Absolutely not. If you can't love yourself and if you can't be your best friend, why would you expect anybody else to want to be? And so it's extremely important to love yourself. And I, I can sit here and tell you that, again, through those lenses, that spiritual lenses that God, God has given me, I love who I am. I am so grateful for, for the man that God has raised me up to be in. And, and to allow me the honor and the privilege of being able to speak life into other people as a result of taking what I was living in death and breathing life into me and, again, making that me the person I am today. And, and even the, the verse that you shared with me on that was, um, um, I, I, uh, I forgot it now. 
Okay, I should know it too. The greatest uh, of the commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's the one you said. That's, that was it. That was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the two greatest commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love, love your, your neighbor as yourself. And the closest neighbor for every one of us in this building, if you're married, is your spouse. Yeah. You know, and the, the degree or the level to which you're able to love your spouse, I believe, has everything to do with the, the level or the degree to which you love yourself. I really do. That's so good. So we're about out of time, and I'm wondering, Gary, would you be willing to just fly through, um, as we were talking this week, we, we were like, Gary, what would you say to just encourage the dads, any like thing practical, and like without even thinking, he goes, well, there's four things, and me and Ronnie were like, he's the um, best, would you just like, we're about out of time, but would you just fly through those, because they're so good, yeah. and they're so practical, and I'm telling you, take notes and write this down, would you, would you be willing to do that real quick? Absolutely, absolutely. Number one is to tell your kids and tell your people in your family how much you love them. Don't stop. You never can tell your family members how much you love them enough. And uh, I, I, I have told the, the, the story of the, the, the president that I read about. And, and when he first got married, he told his wife how much he loved her. And three, about three or four years later, she came to him and she said, how come you, you haven't told me that you love me anymore? And he said, well, I, I remember telling you that when we got married, that I loved you and that if that would ever change, that I would let you know. And um, <laughs> I, a pretty big, pretty, pretty good cop out there. And so um, we have a Brugman tradition in our home and started way back when the kids were, were very young and it's continued to this day. But we don't have an occasion, we don't talk on the phone, we don't meet in the mall and pass each other, uh, we don't leave each other's houses, but what we don't say every time we walk away from one another that, that we love you that we love each other. And uh, encourage you to do that because you can't say it, you can't say it enough. Uh, be honest about your own struggles. And I, I can't say that I've probably been the best at, at that as a father, but, but vitally important, extremely important. You know, you know being able to, um, to comfort and to be able to encourage one another by, um, that, that are going through struggles and, and encouraging them that you're not going through this alone. You're not going through this by yourself. And, and how can your kids how can your kids possibly know how to go through the struggles that they're experiencing in their life if they have not seen that modeled by you? And so good. it needs to be modeled by us. A hurtful and damaged, damaging relationships can be, should be, must be restored. Uh, as a pastor, I, I had the unfortunate occasion to, um, to comfort you know, people that were grieving over the loss of a loved one and, and, and they, their, their, their biggest regret was that they had failed to tell them that they were sorry or, they, or to ask for forgiveness or to tell them, you know, how much they love them. Um, it's never too late to restore damaged and hurtful relationships. Um, and then you can start a brand new family lineage. I love this one. Um, they're they're going to be crossroads in your life as there have been crossroads in mine. And there's a, a, a verse of scripture in Joshua 24:15 that I love, and it's, it's a challenge to us first individually. Gary Bruin, you choose this day whom you're going to serve. And then the challenge that now becomes to your family. And I can stand, I can say I can stand on the roof top of, of my home or my house, and I can say as for me and my house, God, we're gonna serve the Lord. And that's why I believe all my family, I'm so proud, that they love God and that they're serving God and God is their, their priority. Gary, your story is such an amazing reminder to every single one of us that we do get to 
if we need to, we get to decide to be the ones that start a brand new family lineage. I love that. I love that. I love you. Thank you so much. Can you guys help me and say thank you? I want to close today and just share two verses and then we're going to pray. I told you at the beginning that I believe this weekend is about every single one of us. Um, You guys can go ahead and have a seat. I'm not going to be that fast. (laughs) I told you that I believe this weekend is about every single one of us. And what we're really doing is, and you can can hear it through Gary's story, is we're honoring our Heavenly Father because there's no life he can't change. There's no story he can't turn around. There's no situation he can't bring us through. There just isn't. And I love that about Gary's story. And I was reading, I was reading this week about the baptism of Jesus. And I came across Matthew 3, 17. And go ahead and put that up. And, and it's this interaction between Jesus and, and his father. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And in my Bible, I just made three underlines. Three things just jumped right out at me. Number one, he says, you're my son. I love you. And I'm well pleased. I'm proud of you. And I love the fact that God to Jesus said, let me just first remind you that you're my son. And get this, his public ministry hadn't started yet. He hadn't went and done a bunch of really good things. And I love that his father comes to him and says, before you go do anything, it's not about what you're going to do. It's not about what you're not going to do. Before you do anything, I want you to know that it's not about what you're going to do. It's about who you are. And you're my child. And I believe some of you need to be reminded from your heavenly father this Father's Day weekend. Because here's what I know is that sometimes holidays like this are really fun and, and, and they're, they're a big celebration. And sometimes for a lot of us, they're really hard. Some of my really close friends lost a father this week. It's not going to be a fun weekend. It's going to be a tough weekend. And sometimes we just need to be reminded from our heavenly father that he says, I'm with you and I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And I love you and I'm proud of you and I got you. And it's not because of what you've done or haven't done. It's about not about the spiritual things you might do or the things you wish you did more of. It's all about who you are and you're my child. And because that's true, yes, you can. Whatever you're going through. For some of us, it is parenting. For some of you, it's something completely different. And I believe the Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, just wants to remind you today. I'm with you, and I got you, and I love you, and I'm proud of you. And what's really interesting, if you take that verse of what God said to Jesus, and you put it next to the very next verse. See, a lot of times we don't put these two verses side by side, because there's a chapter break in the middle. But what we forget sometimes is the chapters were put in there for us. They weren't originally there. So it was these two verses just flowed right together in this writing. And the very next verse says this, Matthew 4, 1, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. See, God knew even Jesus before he walked into one of his biggest challenges, before he faced this trial, needed to be reminded, your dad's got your back. Your dad's with you. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're my child. And if Jesus needs to be reminded of that sometimes, how much more do we? 
So let your heavenly Father remind you right now, if you're about to walk into a trial, if you're walking through one right now, if you're facing some stuff right now, could you just be reminded that your heavenly, maybe you had an amazing earthly father, maybe you had the opposite, but you gotta know this, your heavenly Father says, I got you, you're my child, I love you, and I'm proud of you. So yes, you can. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're with us right now. I thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the price for our sins. I thank you that you're with us right now and that you empower us and that you equip us. And every now and then we feel like our, uh, we feel like we're stuck in life and like things aren't working out and we don't know how it's going to play out and we don't see a really bright future. And today you remind us, no, there's not a situation I can't turn around. There's not a person I can't change. There's not a miracle that I can't do. And so God, I pray that we would be so reminded of that and we would just sense your presence with us right now, whether we're in this room, at another location, watching or listening from somewhere remotely, that we would just sense your presence with us right now, that you're our Father, that you're with us, that you got us, that you love us, that you're proud of us. And I pray, God, that reality would begin to change us. And let me ask one more question and give you a chance to respond. Are you, are you hearing this or watching this or in this room right now? And the truth is, you know, I need to connect with the Father. And what an amazing time to do it on Father's Day weekend. Is Father's Day weekend the time for you where you go, you know what? I need to raise a hand. I need to connect with the Father. I need to ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I don't know how this is going to play out, but to the best of my ability, God, I want to follow you. Like my my spirit bears witness. I, I can feel it. I know it. You're calling me right now into a relationship. I believe you died for my sins, and I want to receive that forgiveness right now. If that's you at every location, raise your hand and I'm just going to say a prayer for you. Raise them up high. Raise them up. Praise God. 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 Hands all over the place. God, I thank you that you're with us in this moment. That right now, people are crossing over from death into life. That right now, eternities are being changed. And we love you and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... At all locations, would you stand up? And I'm going to have you say a prayer with me. And look, there's no magical prayer. But I want to I I lead you in a prayer. And, and for some of you, it'll be the first time you've prayed this prayer. But church, will you all say this prayer with me? So those of us who are saying it for the first time don't feel isolated and alone. But they already feel like they're part of a family. Deal? Dear God. Heavenly Father, I need you. I can't do this on my own. Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you be the Lord of my life? To the best of my ability, I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we make some noise? A lot of people are making that decision for the very first time. Let's go to our Father one more time in worship. Let's go.